Let's go to uh, the Bible in Proverbs 29, verse 18. And uh, we're going to look at the Amplified Version tonight of that particular verse. Of course, the King James Version says, where there is no vision, what happens? The people perish. Well, we do not want that to happen. Amen? Amen? Perishing is not the will of God for any born-again believer. Amen? Amen. So how, how would you define the word perish? Anybody got any ideas? Destroyed. I'm looking for ideas tonight. Destroyed. All right. So one word, what was that? Fail. fail, yeah, fail. Okay, destroyed. So my people then, they are destroyed then for a lack of knowledge. Where there is no vision, uh, the people perish. Now, let's pull it up in the Amplified Version if we could. I want you to read this with me. It says, ready, read, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. Amen? Amen. Remember this morning we talked about the four cups. If you weren't here this morning, you missed half your life. I'm telling you, we had a good time. Uh, But we found out that when a person is saved, that person is very happy. Amen? Are you all happy tonight? Let's put a big smile on our face then. Glory to God. Amen. So, but now he says where there is no redemptive revelation. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 1, he said, I pray for you, church at Ephesus, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you now the spirit of revelation and knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There is revelation available to the people of God, but revelation that is attained must be sought after. In other words, revelation does not fall on us like ripe cherries off of a tree. But revelation comes when a man or a woman applies their heart, if you will, to understanding. In other words, you go before the Lord and with a sincere heart, you say, Lord, give me revelation. Give me understanding. And so when we have a revelation of our redemption, we will not fail, we will not go under, but we will be on top, the head and not the tail, always triumphing in Christ Jesus. Amen? So now there are some very specific truths about our redemption, I believe that the Lord would have us to get on the inside of us that are so extremely important in our walk with God. One being, if we're going to walk in this revelation knowledge and we're going to walk in victory, we must know the reality of the indwelling Spirit of God in our lives. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians, the third chapter, and let's look at verse 16, if you would. I need your Bible, honey. I didn't bring mine tonight. First Corinthians chapter 3, and matter of fact, I forgot my Bible, but I got about 100 pages of notes. 
Would you rather hear the notes or would you rather hear the Spirit of God? You're a smart bunch of people. I'm going to take a drink of water and uh, thank God the greater one lives in me. Yes, Lord, help him is right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 16. It says, do you not know that you are what? That you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives down the street. And that the Spirit of God, well, of course, he lives in the church. No, thank God, the Spirit of God, the Bible says, he dwells in you. The reality of the indwelling spirit of the living God. In other words, if we will become more God conscious and more God inside minded, then we are circumstance minded on the outside. The reality of the Holy Spirit then will begin to function and to operate at a high level in our lives. He says, your body it's the temple of God. Amen. And the Spirit of God, He dwells in you. Get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, God dwells in that man. God dwells in that woman. My body, it is the temple of God. And of course, you know, we were just fresh back from a, a trip in Rome and all these different places. And man, did they have the temples over there. And, uh, you know, you'd be down near the Colosseum in Rome and they had all of these statues of these, you know, different Greek gods. And, you know, temples were a big thing back in those days. And there was a lot of idolatry and there was a lot of worship of wrong gods. Yeah. And what the Apostle Paul is saying to them, let's get guys. That has nothing to do with Christianity. That's just a bunch of junk. He says, I want you to know that you are. You are the temple of the living God. Say with me, I am the temple of the living God. And the Spirit of God, He dwells in me. So let's work with this point a little bit tonight. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, notice with me in verse 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And so Paul is, is talking to the church at Corinth. And you know, the church at Corinth in those days was one of the most licentious cities in that known world at that particular time. It was known today, it is known today among a lot of Christians and a lot of preachers that it was kind of like the Las Vegas of that day. Now, I don't know whether you've been to Las Vegas lately, but... Save yourself a trip. It just ain't worth it. You know, I have a friend that goes there and the hotels are cheap and he gets there and he just sleeps for days. I don't understand it. I don't get it. You know, I might as well just stay at home and sleep. I guess he gets to sleep in a nicer bed or something. But, you know, Las Vegas is just not the kind of place you want to hang out as a Christian. Amen. And, and so... All of these things are going on in, in Corinth and, 
you know, Paul had a pretty strong word for the church at Corinth. He says, you know, you're just a bunch of carnal people. He said, look, he said, I, I, I'd, I'd like to talk to you if I could. He says, but you're just kind of walking around in this life as mere unchanged men. And so instead of feeding you with, mil- uh, with meat, I've got to keep you on the milk. Yeah. And then he addressed the fact that, you know, they had their favorite preachers and, you know, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos and, you know, I've got all this going on in my life. And he just basically just read them the riot act. He said, you're just a bunch of carnal folks. And yet at the same time, in a later chapter, he says, you're God's husbandry. You're God's field under cultivation. How many of you know that... God may see some things in our lives that he looks upon as carnal and the Bible says as carnal. But how many of you know he has never given up on any of us? That we are still God's husbandry. We are still God's field. He's still cultivating our lives. That ought to encourage you tonight. The word of God says that he who has begun a good work in us, he's going to complete it. He's going to finish it until he returns. But Paul's driving home this point. Here's this carnal church, and here's all of these Greek gods, and all of this Roman influence, and all of these things that are taking place in the world over there. But Paul's driving home this point. He says, Church at Corinth, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 and verse 20. Help me tonight, would you? And I want you to read it with me. Ready, read. Go ahead. Strongly. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? In other words, the Apostle Paul said, what? Guys, think about it. You're the temple. And the Holy Ghost is in you. And because the Holy Ghost is in you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to glorify him in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the more that we become God inside minded, the more that we become aware of his presence in our lives, the easier it will be for us. To walk in a place of honoring him in our body. You know, if I'm not aware of his presence in my life, and you're not aware of his presence in your life, how many of you know you're going to slip up? You're going to mess up. But oh, if you walk softly before him, knowing that you're the very temple of God, that you would not want to do anything to grieve him, that you would not want to say anything to grieve him, That's walking in the presence of God and being greater one on the inside minded. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. Greater is he he. that is in me me. than he that is in the world. world. Now notice this in verse 20. For you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify him. Magnify him in your body. Now, one way we we could do that, and if one of the ushers would go get me some hot tea, that would be awesome. Have some up in my office. 
and you can go get some throat coat for me, that would be great. Amen. So, we understand then that one way that we can honor God in our body is by presenting it to Him. I can think immediately of that scripture over in Romans chapter 12. So let's look at verse 1 and 2. Romans the 12th chapter. And we... uh, we notice verse 1 and 2. Somebody says, well, why isn't Brenda preaching that? Because she's in worse shape than I am. <laughs> we're, both, we're both healed by God's grace. Amen. Amen. He said, verse 1, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what kind of a sacrifice? Living. He doesn't want a bunch of dead sacrifices. He wants a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Or, I like what one translation says, which is your spiritual worship. Have you ever thought about it? When you present your body to God as a temple of God, honoring God with it on a daily basis, it is an act of spiritual worship. Spiritual worship. So number one, if we're going to walk in redemptive revelation, we must be keenly aware of the presence of God on the inside of us. Look at 2 Corinthians now in chapter 6, and uh, we'll see something here in verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. Say with me, I must know the reality of the Holy Spirit's indwelling amen now notice in verse 16 it says and what agreement has the temple of God who is the temple of God okay so he says now here what what agreement does the temple of God have with idols again he's driving home this point for you are the temple of the living God as God has said As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Man, I'm I'm just so excited to be known as one of his people. Hallelujah. Whose family are you in? I'm in the family of God. I'm one of his kin. He's my father. But he says, now look it. Don't be fooling around with idols. Because I want to do something in you. I want to walk in you. I want to show you how much I love you and how much of a father and of a God I can be to you. Amen. Now notice the next verse. Thank you. You're such a help. I will dwell in them. I'll walk among them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Now, verse 17. Now, notice this with me. Read it with me. He says, therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Now, what does it mean to be separate? Can anyone tell me? 
to be set apart. That's a great definition for separate. He says, because you're the temple of God, and because I want to do so much in you, and for you, and through you, I want then you to come out from among them. Now, whatever them is, God says, come out from among them. What are them things? Them things are those things that pull you down and pull you away from honoring God in your life on a regular basis. Amen? Amen. And then he says, be separate. In other words, set yourself apart from those things, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, did you wear your shouting clothes tonight? Look at here in verse 18. Look at here, look at here, look at here. Verse 18. And I will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Woo, glory. I'm going to be your daddy. I'm going to be your papa. I'm going to be your father. Now, what kind of a father would he be if he placed sickness and disease on his sons and daughters? What kind of a father would he be if he put poverty and lack on his kids? You know, if God was guilty over a tenth of the things that the religious world accuses him of, he'd be in the penitentiary and never get out. But our Father's a good God. I said, my Father's a good God. And so he's not withholding good things from us. But he is expecting us to do our part. And to be sanctified and set apart and meet for the Master's use. Look over at James chapter 1. And I'm going to take a sip and we'll look at verse 17. Knowing the reality of our redemption. Knowing the reality of the indwelling Holy Spirit. James 1.17. Of course, we just looked at, I'll be a father unto you, and you'll be my sons and daughters. Notice here in verse 17, and let's read it together. We're having a good Bible study tonight. So ready, read. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turn. Man, I like to shout on that. The good things, the perfect things, the things that our Father blesses His sons and His daughter with, the Father of lights, it comes from Him. It all comes from Him. Thank God the blessing of the Father is upon His sons. The blessing of the Father is upon His daughters. And so to live in this world, (laughs) we've got to have someone on the inside of us helping us to navigate through this life. Because there are so many detours. And there's so many roadblocks. And there's so many things that 
can hinder us and even try to stop us from walking in this, pa- in this path of revelation knowledge. Amen? So I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that He lives in me and that He lives on the inside of you. Let's look at a few things from the Word of God tonight that when we become aware of His indwelling presence and when we take advantage, if you will, of Him on the inside, what this means to us, what will happen if we'll really pay attention to the fact that He really lives in us. You know, I can remember Brother Hagin saying, um, over the years, you know, we'd followed his ministry for years and years, and we really still follow his ministry. He's still, a char- he's still our spiritual dad, even though he's in heaven. You know, my, my earthly dad is in heaven, and he doesn't stop being my dad. He's just in another place. Yeah. Same with Dad Hagen. He's in heaven, but he's still spiritual papa. Amen. Amen. But I can remember him saying over the years, and he'd do seminars along the lines of the Holy Spirit, and, and he would say things like, well, what's he in there for? What's the Holy Ghost in there for? Is he just a hitchhiker hitching a ride through life? And thank God he's not. Thank God he's the third person of the Godhead. So he's in us to help us. He's in us to guide us. He's in us to lead us. He's in us to comfort us. He's in us to show us things to come. He's in us to warn us. He's in us to strengthen us. He's in us for so many reasons so it's high time we took advantage of them let's look at john chapter 14 let's just pick out a few scriptures tonight about his indwelling presence john 14 john chapter 14 and we'll look at let's see what verse is it verse 16, verse 16, John 14. And, of course, this is Jesus speaking. He said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. The Greek word there for helper is paraclete. And paraclete simply means this in the Greek. It means one that is called alongside to help us. Well, we know that he's not only alongside of us, but we found out tonight that he's in us. And so he said, he says, I'm going to pray to the Father and he will give you another helper. What Jesus is saying is, I'm here right now in the flesh. I've been your helper. I've been guiding you. I've been teaching you. I've been discipling you. But the time has come for me to go. But don't be heartless. Don't be fearless. Because the Father is going to send you another helper. And this helper is going to abide with you forever. Thank God. Ever been a time in your life where you just lifted up your hands and you didn't know what to do? And you just cried out to the Lord and you said, Lord, help me. Help me. I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know what to do with this child. 
I, I, don't, I don't know what to do about this decision. I'm, I'm not sure how you're leading me. Lord, I'm just crying out to you for help. You know, that's one of the most spiritual prayers that you can pray sometimes is, Lord, help. Try that on for size right now. Just say with me, Lord, help me. And he is our helper. He's there to help. And the Bible says, and he will abide with you forever. Thank God he never leaves us, never forsakes us. Now notice verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor does it know him, but you know him. You know, it's, it's kind of difficult to explain spiritual things to unbelievers. You know, the, the best thing you can do for an unbeliever is show love to them. Don't try to explain to them the book of Revelation. Or don't try to explain to them speaking in tongues. They might think you're crazy. And you know you're not. But some people think you might be. Right? You, you go to talking about some things that they have no concept of, no spiritual insight of. You, you, you can't talk to an unbeliever like you would talk to a believer in your home group. You know? We were down in uh, Miami, Florida years ago. And uh, Stan Moore, uh, man of God, probably well into his 90s now, not related to Keith Moore, but a, a favorite pastor of Dad Hagen, Stan, and what's Stan's wife's name? Jerry. Jerry Moore, probably in their high 80s or 90s by now. And uh, they, would, they would have Brother Hagen in their church oftentimes in the month of January. And uh, Dad Hagen would go down there in January because he wanted to get, to get get away from the cold in Tulsa in January. But they'd have this favorite restaurant that they'd take a lot of the preachers to, and and they would pick up the tab. And and uh, one of the favorite things that they ate at that restaurant was rock crab, and that rock snow crab was really really good. Um, but they would load people up on a bus. And we weren't on this one particular bus. We weren't on this one particular occasion. And, and a whole busload of preachers came into this restaurant. I'm telling you, five-star type restaurant. First class. I mean, top shelf. I mean, really, really good. And so they're all standing, you know, there in the lobby and jihan and talking and fellowshipping. And probably just got out of a Holy Ghost meeting. You know, Brother Hagen, he'd have these Holy Ghost meetings. You ever been in one of his Holy Ghost meetings? Yes. Uh, well, in those Holy Ghost meetings, there was a lot of joy and there was a lot of laughter. Yes. A lot of manifestation of the Holy Ghost. So, you know, I'm sure they're, you know, just having a high-heeled time, sitting around talking, fellowshipping. And, and the person who was waiting on them or was going to guide them to their seat, well, you know, who are you guys? What are you here for? And he says, one of the preachers said, well, we're here in town having a Holy Ghost meeting. And she said, Holy Ghost meeting? What's that? Is that where you go and wear costumes at or something? <laughs> well, you know, he didn't mean anything wrong and so forth. But she had no idea what he was talking about. And, you know, really, the world does not really know what you're talking about if all you talk is Christianese. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? 
But the way, that's right. That's good to laugh. Amen. So, so what we need to do is we need to make this message palatable to the unbeliever. And what makes it palatable to the unbeliever really is the way that you conduct yourself in the way that you live. The way that you carry yourself in this world. It is not a witness to the world if you're sitting at the bar drinking the same drinks they're drinking. It's not a witness to the world if you're sitting there smoking reefer with them. Now, I know that there's not a lot of people in here this evening that smoke reefer. Maybe one or two. I don't know. But it, it's, it's, it's just not. So the message must be made palatable. You know, it's a, I, I want to give myself a pat on the back. Palatable is quite a word. Is it even a word? That's a three-pointer. It's a three-pointer. Make the message palatable. How do I do that? Simply by living your life before God in sincerity and being genuine. Just being, just being real. What do you mean being real? I'm talking about being really on time at work. I'm talking about really not gossiping around the lunch table. I'm talking about letting your light shine, not so much with your words, but allowing your light to shine with your actions. I know I'm preaching good right now. Don't shout me down just because the preacher is in your business. Make the message palatable. Let me take another drink. You know, the more I drink this, the better I get. So I don't know where we were heading with that. But the Holy Spirit will help us. The Spirit of truth. Here it is. Whom the world cannot receive. It doesn't see Him. It doesn't know Him. But you know Him. You know. For He dwells with you. And He shall be in you. Know the reality of His indwelling. Know that you are his temple. Know him that you are not your own. And know that he is your helper. Now notice verse 18. Let's read that together. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless. Now let's go over to the, the next verse we want to look at is verse 26. Again, the context we're talking about now is the helper. Everyone say the helper. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So here's another aspect of the helper. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So we see then he is a helper. And one way that he helps us is he teaches us. In other words, he makes this word on the pages of this Bible come alive in our lives. He is the one that is responsible for flooding your spirit with light 
in the eyes of your understanding to be flooded with light and to be enlightened. He will teach you all things. Wow. There's nothing better than being God bought and God taught. Say with me, I'm God bought and I'm God taught. Now, I firmly believe in educating yourself the best you possibly can in the natural realm. I firmly believe in education. I firmly believe in disciplining yourself physically and mentally and challenging yourselves and becoming the best you that you can possibly be. But all those things without Him amount to about this much. He is your teacher. He is your guide. You know, the wonderful thing about Him is He'll bring things to your remembrance, things you've read years ago. It'll just pop up on the inside of you. And He'll fill your mouth with wisdom. And He'll fill your mouth with encouragement. And He will bring the things that you need to remember to your remembrance. You've got a teacher living on the inside of you. Now, how many of you have ever... Come to a verse of scripture that you didn't understand. I'll raise both my hands. How many of you have scriptures you don't understand today? I'll raise both my hands. But I believe this, that he'll teach you and he will reveal to you exactly what you need to know. None of us are ever going to know every verse and the deep meaning of every Greek word and every word in the Bible from 66 books. But I'll guarantee you one thing. He will teach you and he will reveal the things to you that you need to know for your daily walk in your daily life. And sometimes, you know, you're you're reading the word and it just seems like those words just jump out of that pages of that Bible and just jumps into you. Or, sometimes you're reading the Word, and it's like, it's almost like you're, you're having a, a vision, but you're not really having a vision. What God is doing is He's magnifying a truth to you. That, that, that truth is becoming real to you. I want to encourage you, don't jump from that place and go to another verse immediately. It may very well be that he's got something to say about that verse to your specific situation that you're facing right now. He'll reveal, he'll show you, he will teach you. Say it with me. He is my teacher. And so we see here in John 14, once again, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance. And all things that I said unto you. Amen. Now let's go over to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And notice with me in verse 7. John 16 and verse 7. I must know, you must know, the reality of the indwelling spirit. John 16 and verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. So we're going to get the truth, right? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. 
And then he deals with other things. But in verse 13, here's what I want you to see. And I want us to read this together. John 16 and verse 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, that will he speak. And he will show you things to come. Verse 14. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and he will declare it unto you. Now this is so rich that I want us to take verse 13 and 14 and I want to take a look at it in the Amplified Version. You okay with that? All right, you're going to hang in with me for a few more minutes tonight. We're not going to preach all night, but we want to just kind of just drive this point home tonight. Go home with a good feeding in our spirit and just let it roll over in us all week long. Amen? John chapter 16, verse 14. Well, let's back up to verse 13, if you would. You guys are doing a great job tonight. Thank you. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, the full truth, and nothing but the truth. Now, here's a little side journey. Let's keep that verse up there. One thing that you want to make sure that you know and that you realize that the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God are always in agreement. They're always in agreement. They never go crossways with one another. So if someone comes along and, and says, well, the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you this. And, you know, they maybe give you a word or something like that. And on the inside of it just kind of feels funny. What you need to ask yourself, number one... Does what, I was, it, does what I was just told line up with the Word? Yeah. And if what I was just told or just spoken over doesn't line up with the Word, I'm not going to accept it. And then the other thing is, you need to ask yourself, does what I just heard, does it in fact line up with what I have in my heart? Does it serve as a witness in my heart? Does it serve as a confirmation in my heart? And if it doesn't, just shelf it. Amen? Okay, now notice. But when He, the Spirit of truth, the truth-giving Spirit comes, He will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, the full truth. For He shall not speak His own message on His own authority. Didn't Tony do a good job teaching on the Trinity? One thing about the Trinity is they're in agreement. The Trinity is in harmony. And so the Holy Spirit says, Jesus says of him, he's not going to speak his own message. Not as on his own authority. But he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him. And he will announce, say this to me, he will announce. He will declare. And he will show me things that are to come. That will happen in the future. And so the more God inside minded I am. Guess what? The brighter my future becomes. I can know. If he's living on the inside of me. And I'm doing my best to walk with him. And he doesn't declare his own message. But whatever he hears from the father. He makes it known to me. I know this. That my future is bright. And I can trust God 
with my future because my father has my best interests at heart. Because he said, I'm going to be a daddy to you and you're going to be my sons and you're going to be my daughters. How many parents we got in here tonight? Don't you want the best for your kids? You ever seen your kids make some bad choices? Hey, listen, guys, if you're cold in here, raise your hand. And if you are, just go ahead and you can just turn the, the, uh, the fans off. Because I'm good. You don't have to have them on for me. And we're almost done. But, you know, as a parent, Brenda and I saw our sons make some bad choices. And as a result of making some bad choices, there were some consequences that happened as a result of that. And, of course, it hurts your heart to see a son or to see a daughter, you know, just going in the wrong way or going in the wrong direction. You want to say, no, don't do that. And you do say that. But, you know, sometimes kids have strong wills and they do things they shouldn't do. And then they learn their lessons later and come back, say, Dad, you were right all the time. And we say, yes, I know. It's simply because you as a parent, paternal instincts, is you've got the best you want the best for your kids. I want the very best for my I want the best for my wife. I want the best for this church. I believe that's godly. How much more your heavenly father. He's got your best interests at heart. He's got your future mapped. He's got your future planned. And he said, now son, daughter... Become me inside-minded. Walk with me and I'll walk with you. I'll show you things to come. I'll help you with what you don't know. I'll teach you where you don't know to go. I'll just guide you and I will lead you on the right path for your life. Man, that's awesome. He's my guide. And he's leading us and guiding us into all the truth. Now let's go back to John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17 in the Amplified Version. And uh, I think we'll be done here in a moment. But I want to look at it, the Amplified Version. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. I like how the Amplified says this about Him, the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another comforter. Not me, but a comforter just like me. Counselor. Woo-hoo, Glory. Counselor, won't cost you a thing, but some time and some pressing in and prayer. Not that there's anything wrong with going to a counselor, but this counselor is for free. He says, I will counsel you. I will give you wisdom. I'll help you. I'll be your intercessor. I'll be your advocate. I'll be your strengthener. I'll be your standby, and I'm going to remain with you forever. Oh, glory to God. Anybody ever traveled throughout the United States and, and, and gone over a mountain pass like the Rockies? And, uh, you know, I know Pastor Nancy is going to Denver pretty soon. She might go over some of these passes. But in, in Colorado, there's these huge mountains, Aspen and, and Vail and... I don't know how many feet above sea level they are, but it's a long way up there. And back in the early days, you know, Brenda and I had a little Chevette. You know, and we had a little, uh, I don't know what kind of car that was, but, but we had cars that didn't have a lot of power. 
And man, I'm telling you, going up those mountains could be a real task. It's just, oh man, you just, you just weren't sure you were going to make it, but oh, you finally made it. And sometimes in life, that's the way it is. I mean, sometimes in life, it just flat seems like we're just going up a mountain. I know we can move mountains, but let's be real about it. Sometimes it seems like you're going up that mountain. And you just, oh, well, you got to stand by. You got one on the inside of you that will put you into the right gear and help you run through a troop, leap over a wall and make it over the mountain, around the mountain, wherever you need to go, baby. He's on the inside and he's there standing by to put you over. I'm glad of it. I'm happy about it. Many have been the times in our lives, in your life too. We don't want to turn this service into a top that tragedy testimony service. But we've all faced some difficulties. Haven't we? But you know what? Tonight we're still breathing. Glory to God. I see your eyes are still open. I see you walked into church. You're still alive. You're still making it. But, you know, sometimes in those midnight hours, it seems like it's pretty tough. But thank God there's one who's not just called alongside to help you. There's one living on the inside that's right there 24 hours a day, seven days a week to help you and to put you over those things that are trying to hold you down. Thank God for the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead who dwells in us, who not only will quicken our mortal bodies when we're feeling ill and feeling sick, but he will also raise us up and he will put us over and he will strengthen us to face life's difficulties face to face, glory to glory, where we can make it through to the other side. Amen. Let's all stand up. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Pastor Tom, if you'd come just for a few more moments. Thank you so much. Well, I'm glad you asked for that message because I feel good about it. I could have given you this other one that was 10 pages long. You might be here till 9 o'clock. But let's just lift up our hands and let's make some faith confessions tonight of the reality of the Holy Spirit. One scripture that just I'm reminded of, of him being our standby and our strengthener, is 1 John chapter 4, 4. It says, you are of God, little children. And you've already overcome them. Because I want to remind you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He that is in us is the Holy Spirit. Now just lift up your hands and say, thank you, Father, for the greater one. The precious Holy Spirit. Who lives on the inside. Thank you Father. For this reminder tonight. From scripture. That I am the temple of God. And that the spirit of the living God. He lives in me. And Lord anything in my life. That I need to cut off. Anything in my life. That I need to set aside. And where I need to set myself apart from. I'll do it by your grace. Because I know. That you desire. 
to be a father to me. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And I present my body tonight as a living sacrifice. Lord, I know I've acted like I'm my own. But you said I'm not my own. So I remember tonight that I'm bought with a price. The precious blood of the Lamb. And therefore I glorify you. This night. All week long. In my body. And in my spirit. Which are yours. I present myself to you. As a living sacrifice. Father, as a child of God, I just thank you for the helper. And I cry out for help. What I know not, Spirit of God, teach me. Guide me into all the truth. Thank you, Lord, for it. Let's pray in the Spirit just for a moment. Yela Mosanda. Yela Mosanda. We stir up the gift on the inside of us. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So be it. So be it. So be it. So be it. So be it in our lives. Hallelujah. I receive it, Lord. I receive it, Lord. Thank you, Master. Just go ahead and pray. We're just praying now. It doesn't need to be interpreted. Just pray a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God just quickened my heart. Basically said, I will alert you. I will alert you. I will cue you on situations and things that I desire to be prayed out through you. I know that Lynn Hammond does these prayer alerts and sometimes we're notified to to pray and that's good. But I believe that the Holy Spirit will alert you to pray for something about your life or maybe someone in your life. He will alert us. Thank God for the Spirit of God. Oh, Father, thank you. Let's sing that song, P.T. 
prayer tonight. Lord, that we would become more God inside minded. Lord, we invite you just, just do like this. Lord, I invite you to lead me all this week. You said as many as are led by the spirit of God, they're the sons of God. I'm your child. And so I put my faith in you. And at the top of this week, on this first day of the week, Sunday, I choose to acknowledge you in all my ways, in every conversation, in every meeting, in my work day, in my relationships. Lord, lead me. I acknowledge you every step of the way. Hallelujah. Thank you. I'm seeing those steps, honey, that we walk from one side of the road to the other in Pompeii. I'm seeing these big steps that if they wanted to get to the other side of the street, they had these great big huge stones. And they were known as stepping stones. And they'd take that first step. And then there was another big stone over there, some crevices. And they would take another step. They were stepping stones. And they stepped onto those stones and they got to the other side. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God's got some stepping stones for all of us. Let's just acknowledge him to lead us to the right steps. Lord, let's pray that out right now. Lord, just lead us by your spirit. 
May we take the right steps, no wrong steps. You're the captain of our salvation. You know the best way. So we pray that you would lead us every step of the way. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. And amen. Well, you may be seated.